Good morning, good morning, and ain't it a great morning outside? Hey, welcome to our garden party. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting Weekly Program. We call it the Gestalt Gardener, and I'm your host, Horticulturist Felder Rushy. Our producer is the awesome Java Chapman. It's going to be a hot, humid one, folks. Maybe a little rain here and there, but overall, looks not so bad next week for the dog days anyway. So let's see what we can come up with to do. Uh, sit back, relax. After a few minutes of news, me and Java are going to come back and open the screen doors to our weekly garden party. We don't care who you are, who your mama and them are, how much you know or don't know, where you live, or even where you're from, or what you're dressed like. Let's at least in our minds go outside and play. We're going to take a quick break and come right back and find ways to get dirty. Stick with us. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's Felder Rushkin here. And like I say, for the next hour or so, we're just going to talk gardening. I'm not a know-it-all know some stuff, know some stuff I wish I didn't know, but I'm not going to try to sell you anything, and I'll do my best to recommend what I would do or what I'd recommend my friends do, some of who are better gardeners than I am, and uh, more important, what I'd try to get my mother to buy into. So give me a call if you want to chat about stuff. I don't mind tackling uh, contentious things. I'm not hard-headed and ready to learn any time anything but uh, if you want to talk about some stuff give me a call it's toll free one eight seven seven mpb ring we're going to be here till the end of the hour just chatting about gardening uh there's an event going on down the coast i want to recommend and i'll talk about that in just a second but i wanted to ask my producer sir java what's been going on java i forgot to ask you last week how'd you how'd you how'd your kids do over the fourth of july Oh man, they did good. You know, we went to um the grandparents and um had basically like a pool party. Uh, <laughs> they went and got <laughs> did you a, get in the pool. Yeah, you I you know, I'm 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 a big kid, so I got I got in the in the pool <laughs> with the kids and everything. Yeah, well it was a hot day. It was a good day to get into it. But man, I mean it's gonna be kinda cool in Mississippi next week. I mean, only in the eighties. To me, that's cool. Yeah, for Ju- for July that is. That's that's almost yeah. cold. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, um, one of the things, I, I want to throw something out that uh, our our boss, uh, Kevin, has sent me something a couple of weeks ago, and I forgot to talk about it. But um, back, way back years ago, the guys who went to the moon, you know, we're celebrating that big time right now. Yeah, 50 took, years. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, one of them took a bunch of seeds, some, uh, some, some tree seeds with him up into space, and they went around the moon a few times, and they came back, and they planted those seeds and a lot of those trees are still alive, and there's like five of them in Mississippi. I remember he was talking about that. Yeah, that was pretty interesting because, I mean, we got we have space trees. <laughs> <laughs> space trees. Yeah, moon trees is what they call them. Although, technically, these actually didn't go to the moon. They were in the thing going around, but we're going to call them moon trees anyway. But if anybody's interested in that, there's uh, there's some in Hasburg, there's some in Oxford, there's one on campus at Mississippi State, there's, there's one in... Um, um, huh, drawing the drawing the blank. Anyway, I've got a list of we can talk about that in a little bit. But main thing, and I just wanted to say that I appreciate folks who are doing oddball things for no real reason except just what people do. 
So anyway, uh, for the next little while, we're going to be talking about gardening. Uh, again, there is an event on the coast I want to promote, but let's start off doing what we really want to do the most of, and that's chat about gardening. We're going to start out in Madison with Jane. Good morning, Jane. Howdy. Howdy. How are you doing? Uh, I'm fine, thank you. What's going on? Okay, I have a magnificent oleander tree or bush. Yeah. He's about yeah. ten or eight to ten years old, and he is yeah. huge. He's beautiful. It's uh, the light pink color. Okay, yeah. he has bloomed just profusely for about that eight years or more, and right. now he's starting not to bloom as well. And I'm wondering. I've never cut him back. Should I cut him back? To give him some strength for next year, or well, should I leave him alone? Yeah, well, it's it's a really good uh, it, it's a good question. Here's the deal: oleanders will grow in the pavement between the sidewalk and the curb in the Mojave Desert, and they're growing cemeteries in El Paso, Texas. They don't need a lot of rain, and we get so much rain that tends to make them grow real lush. Also, we're a little bit far north, and sometimes get a little, little bit of, of cold damage. Not enough to kill them all the time. But even in central Mississippi, they get weakened. So it's a good idea every few years just to cut them back and start them over again, uh, like like you would a, a you know any kind of tree, more like a perennial than a bush. And they they bloom on new growth. So as long as you don't fertilize them, uh, that new growth should come out strong and fine and still bloom fine. Okay. Now, should I cut him back like four feet from the top, or well, where, how, wherever how you make it's really tall. Yeah, yeah. Well, you don't you don't have to cut it all. You can cut a few of them around the edge down close to the ground. Just let those sprout out. You know, you don't have to do the whole thing. Wherever you make a cut, the new growth comes out right below there. So if you cut it off for four feet, it's going to look like a broomstick with a broom on top of it. So okay. what I would do is I would, I would cut some down close to the ground. You might want to layer it, you know, cut some close to the ground and towards the middle a little bit taller, sort of like in a snow cone shape. That way, the new growth uh, around the edges will hide the, the. You see what I'm saying? More like a, more like a, a, a curve shape instead of just flat across. But I would cut the outer ones down pretty close to the ground so that you don't have little naked stems and then a witch's broom effect. Okay. All right. I'll do it uh, when the weather cools off because he's about done okay. blooming. And hopefully. Yeah. Well. Well, let me throw out a couple other things. They in 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 subtropical climates they bloom year round. See, so I mean, you know, they can literally bloom in the middle of the winter in Florida. So it's not so much to have a blooming season. Um, so, you know, the sooner you get on it, the better, because we want time for the new growth to, to have time to set flower buds and bloom. But keep in mind that the sap of lantana is one of the few toxic plants out there. So wear some gloves. Don't don't lick your fingers when you're through, you know, cutting them. Okay, got it. Nothing to it, Jane. Thank you. Okay, appreciate it. All righty, now let's go uh, down to Meadville. Good morning, Susie. How are you? Good morning. Oops. I'm doing great. Thank you. Hey, uh, you must be on the road or something. I just pulled over. I'm hoping I got a good signal. Okay. I just had one quick question. Good. Yeah. Um, I, I just recently planted uh, this spring a poblano pepper. Mm -hmm. And it, I put it in a, a container. Um, my question was, is it, is it better in container or better in the ground? And also about the um, production, it seemed like all the blooms would fall off uh, until it got to about three feet tall. Yeah, and it just, yeah. It recently started, like, producing, and, and it, oh. they stick now, you know. 
Yeah, yeah. Here's a, a couple of things. First of all, they grow perfectly well in containers. Those grown in good dirt may get bigger and produce more fruit, but they're doing fine in containers as long as you give them a little fertilizer without overdoing it. Too much fertilizer will throw them into lots of growth and throw off all the flowers and stuff. So a little bit of fertilizer every few weeks rather than a whole bunch at once. As long as you keep them moist, you know, don't let them get wilted dry, but don't keep them soggy wet, they'll grow perfectly fine in containers. So th that's okay. not the issue. But the other thing to keep in mind, Susie, is peppers are genetically, they're native up to the Andes. And when it gets hot, I'm talking about mid-90s and stays there, the flowers, and same thing happens with tomatoes and beans, uh, the flowers tend to shed and sometimes a small fruit. So middle of the summer, you may have a little trouble with, with production, but as long as you keep the plants healthy without overdoing anything, uh, you know, they'll keep, they'll keep on growing. They can produce really well in the fall. Sometimes you'll have better pepper, pepper production in the fall than you do all summer long just because of the weather. Main thing is spoon feed them with fertilizer and don't keep them too wet or too dry, and they should do fine. Oh, thank you so much. And sometimes I want you to email me your favorite recipe. Poblanos can be used so <laughs> many ways. They are wonderful. I learned about okay. them in Texas. Okay. Well, are you from Texas? No, but my sister lives there, so when I visit, okay. I get to eat the cuisine. There you go. There you go. And uh, and there there is some in Mississippi that, I mean, I'm a, a real aficionado of what I call real Mexican, but like Tex-Mex, a lot of real Mexican food, too. Anyway, appreciate your call. I'm glad you pulled over because it's a weird world out there. No, thank you so much. Okay, Susie. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Okay. Now, we're going to go from way down on the uh, almost the Louisiana line all the way up to Memphis. Good morning, Ben. How are you doing? I'm fine. Happy Friday, Felder, driving on Thank you. Thank you, thank you. What's going on? I have a question about tomatoes. Let's say you got a bumper crop of tomatoes. I'm getting some uh, different advice on how to store them. Some people say you just leave them on the counter for a week. Some people say refrigerate them. Thought I'd ask now, now, you said tomatoes, right? Tomatoes, heirloom tomatoes. Yeah, yeah. Tomatoes should never be refrigerated. And I'm not saying okay. you can't, but they don't want to be refrigerated. That just slows stuff down is all. Now, here's the deal. Once, once you pull a tomato off a vine or a pepper or anything like that, once you pull it off the vine, it cannot get riper. It can't get sweeter. It can't get more nutrients. It's stuck when you pull it off the vine. All it does is get softer and redder in a slow decay. So one that's showing a little bit of color, you can pull it, and it'll turn red, and it'll get softer, but it'll never get flavorful like leaving it on the vine till it's ready to pick. And, you know, right. so that's that's. But as as far as keeping the refrigerator, um, it's you know we, we do that if you want to try to store them a long time. But tomatoes don't really want to be refrigerated. Really don't. Okay, thank you, sir. Okay, good luck on it. <laughs> See you. All righty, folks. Toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. I did find the the article. Uh, that Jason has sent me about this uh, astronauts who carried a little personal preference kit when we went up to the moon and um, there were some that were taken, uh, who was it? Uh, I can't, I don't see the name of it right now. Anyway, one of the guys took the seeds of uh, some sycamore trees. He took some some uh, loblolly pines and a couple of other things. Uh, there's some in, there's one in Birmingham, Alabama, the Botanic Garden. There's one at the state capitol in Montgomery. There's one at the uh, Pioneer Museum in Troy, Alabama. I see one in Arkansas. 
Tennessee, uh, Waynesboro, Mississippi, the Forest Commission Nursery, Wiggins, Waynesboro, let me see, Huntsville, Alabama, um, gosh, there's a Little Rock, Siwanee. Anyway, there's one on campus in Mississippi State at, at, and, um, that of a tree whose seeds went to the moon and back. I'm Horticulture's fellow Russian. We're going to take a real, real quick short break and come back with you talking about gardening. It's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. I'm Horticulture's fellow Russian. And me and my producer, Java Chapman, and all the folks at MPB, we're going to re- be right back and keep this garden party rolling. Okie dokie folks, welcome back to Horticulture's Felder Rushing, and we're talking about gardening here. Just some things on your gardening mind, give us a call, or you can shoot me an email. I'm watching my computer as we speak. The email is garden at mpbonline.org. I mentioned there's something going on, on the coast this weekend. It's close to Mobile, the Animal Rescue Foundation. They call it ARF. Uh, the one of Mobile is having a plant sale this Saturday from 8 till 3. It's going to be at the Animal Shelter. Uh, it's over on um, Range Line Road. It's uh, in Theodore. It's outside of Mobile. Range Line Road, ARF, Animal Rescue Foundation. Uh, anyway, they're, the hardworking folks, they have over 600 plants. they got fruit trees and ferns and encore azalea, roses, limelight hydrangeas, and a lot more. And all the plants are being sold at very discounted prices, and all the proceeds are going to benefit the dogs and cats at the shelter. Again, that's on Rangeland, Rangeline Road, Animal Rescue Foundation. Just Google ARF uh, over in Theodore. I'm sure they'd appreciate you bringing out a sack of pet food as well. Uh, these folks are doing a wonderful service. Uh, they're hardworking, and they're always scrambling for ways to find ways to help these, these, uh, these uh, unhomed pets, fur babies, they call them. Anyway, if you want some more information about that, shoot me an email. But I uh, appreciate what ARF is doing all around the whole country. If you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. We're going to be talking about nothing but gardening over the next little while. Uh, I had mentioned uh, something about the uh, trees, the seeds of which had gone around the moon and, uh, and planted. I've got a list of those in Tennessee, Alabama, Louisiana, and uh, Mississippi and Arkansas. And if you'd like to know a little bit more about that, Google moon trees. See what you come up with. It's got a lot of interesting history, or I'll send you a list of them myself. Um, one of the things I would recommend folks doing this time of year, I know it's hot. I know it's humid. You know, my folks have been in Mississippi a long time. We've been in the South a long time. We get it. But if you get a chance over the next little while, work in the morning, maybe work in the late afternoon, if you've got some parts of your garden that aren't doing all that well, pull the plants up, compost them, turn the dirt over whenever you get Just turn the dirt over shovel deep. Maybe throw a little bark in with it or compost or something, but just turn the dirt over and then cover it with mulch. Bark is a good one. Uh, if you'll do that, then the place will be ready to plant if something strikes your fancy. And we have a long season. We have an incredibly long season here uh, in the, the Gulf South uh, and in the Mid-South to plant stuff. You can plant tomatoes and peppers as late as the first week in August and still get a harvest before fall. So even if you don't want to do that, if you want to sit out some fresh new marigolds or some new zinnia seeds or anything like that, those you sit out in the spring were set out in cold, wet dirt. 
and they're struggling. They'll do fine, but if you set some more out right now, they grow fast, sturdy, strong, and they will bloom on more compact, better plants than you can imagine. So instead of trying to keep plants alive all summer long, which you can do that, think about planting a few more sometime this month or early next and enjoying that way. Uh, it's just an easy thing to do, but the trick is dig your dirt, cover it with mulch, go back inside, calm down. <laughs> and then if you get a chance to go back out and do it again, it's not that big a deal. We don't have to garden like farmers is what I'm saying. You wait till it stops raining in the spring, you plant, and you hope to get a harvest before fall. Gardening is like home cooking. It's a little at a time. You do some today, some next week, a little at a time. Don't feel like it's crop production. It's not. It's planting stuff as you get around to it. Anyway, if you want to give us a call, it's toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. Uh, let's go over to Vicksburg and talk with Jenny. Hey, Jenny, good morning. Good morning. Hello. Uh, I've, got, I've got, can you hear me? Yes. I've got, I've been gardening just for vegetable gardening, and I've called you yeah. before, and what I have is a 64-square-foot raised garden. Um, about a foot off the ground surrounded by railroad ties. And yeah. I, about every three or four years, I'll put um, manure in, in the soil and fill it with the regular dirt. And right. I, I do that, and I just, I've done this for years. And then, uh, the, like, this is the third year um, that when I till it up and plant my stuff in there, then I notice all these little green things starting to grow, and I thought something was blowing off the trees. And then after the third year, I finally realized, uh, I think what happened was the manure, the last manure I put in there, the seeds, the grass seeds weren't killed. So I'm going oh, to yeah. the grass. And yeah. so once, I, yeah, and it's too much to just dig it up. You know, it's not like crabgrass. And yeah. so this year I put down the mulch on top of what, what it was. But right. my question is, it's going to continue to do that every year. Before, I never put the mulch on top of the stuff. How do I get rid of the grass seeds? What do you recommend? <laughs> well, well, well. first of all, yours is a pretty common thing. It's one of the drawbacks of using uh, manures like cow manure or horse manure that hasn't been really composted through a heat is, uh, you know, in the deep south there, they graze out in pastures and every weed that they eat ends up in their manure. It doesn't get composted. So one of the problems is using... Uh, manure, fresh manures, is uh, is the weeds that they eat. Uh, there's not much you can do to uh, except peter them out, and you can peter them out by you know every time you you turn some up and they sprout. Then you know, in other words, you can you can just use them up, uh, but no way to kill them. Uh, that's practical anyway. One of the things you could do if you wanted to is is take one of your raised beds at a time, dig it up really good when it's moist, and then stretch some clear plastic over it and weight it down around the edge with a board or something. The sun will shine through the plastic just like it does through a car window, and they'll turn that, the, 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 the water in the soil into steam, and they can literally steam those seeds to death. Of course, it'll drive your worms out too. But this causes solarization, and you can do that a bed at a time when it's hot and moist in the summertime. The other thing is just every time you plant, as soon as you get through plant, just cover it with bark mulch. Next time you dig, just dig that mulch in, and you won't need to add the manure anymore because the mulch do the same thing over time. And so that's what you'll probably end up doing, just, just getting you some mulch, and every time you plant, cover the ground up with that. Next time you plant, just turn it under and just keep on going. Okay. It, 
there are there are some. I gotta tell you, uh, uh, Jenny, there are some weed killers you can use, but I don't like them. Partly because it's not necessary, uh, and and second of all, um, they're expensive. Sometimes it costs more than your beans do. Um, so anyway, in the long run, I think mulching and, and and just every time you plant is a good idea. Also, get you a hoe, a plain old hoe, but get you a flat file and and sharpen the edges of it almost like a razor, and instead of chopping, just drag it across the top, just sort of like, like, like you're shaving the ground, and that'll get rid of all of those that are exposed. And when you chop it, it turns up more seeds. But if you just sort of scrape it like you're shaving the top of the ground with a sharp hoe, it does wonders. And that's why you use a hose, like a razor, not like a okay. chopper. Okay. Well, it doesn't sound so fun, but it, it, it doesn't sound fun, Jenny, but it works. Thank you so much. Good luck. Appreciate it. All righty, folks. Toll free, one eight seven seven mpb ring um, Got a few. I got an email about a fellow who just got back from Caribbean and wants to know if uh, if this this wonderful, wonderful plant called the Royal Poinciano growing Mississippi. And the answer is nope. <laughs> well, it can if you keep it in a pot, but it's a big tree. However, there's a real close relative called Mexican poinciana. Doesn't make a great big tree, but makes a big bush, and it blooms great. It's a it's a native to, to Texas and Mexico. It's a large shrub. It has the same kind of flowers, and it looks great, and it'll fit in most yards a whole lot better. I've seen them growing as far north as Grenada. There's one I know of over in Vicksburg. I've seen them in Meridian. But the Mexican poinciana does perfectly well and has that same tropical feel. So anyway, hope that helps a little bit. I'll shoot you an email, Hank, in case you're not listening. Hey, if you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. We've got the lines wide open. And if you want to shoot us an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Meanwhile, this might be a good time to take a little break and play a kind of relaxing tune. I, you know, this is a, something I played, I guess, two or three times over all of these years, but it's just a nice little laid-back thing that makes you think about how good it is just to, just to be whatever you are. We're going to take a real quick break, and after some cheesy music with your phone calls, one eight seven seven mpb ring I'm a horticulturist, fellow Russia, me and Java, all the folks here at MPB. We'll be right back with this garden party after a little, little green segue. Greetings, Kermit the Frog here, and today I'd like to tell you a little bit about the color green. Uh, do you know what's green? Well, I am for one thing. You see, frogs are green, and I'm a frog, and that means I'm green, you see? It's not that easy being green. Having to spend each day the color of the leaves. When I think it could be nicer being red or yellow or gold or something much more colorful like that it's not easy being green it seems you blend in with so many other ordinary things and people tend to pass you over because you're not standing out like flashy sparkles in the water or stars in the sky.
But green's the color of spring And green can be cool And friendly like And green can be big Like an ocean Or important Like a mountain Or tall like a tree When green is all there is to be It could make you wonder why But why wonder why Wonder I am green And it'll do fine It's beautiful And I think It's what I want to be Okie dokie folks, welcome back Horticulture's Phil DeRussian And we are talking about gardening Is something on your mind you'd like to talk about Give us a call, toll free one eight seven seven mpb ring uh, Meanwhile, let's talk with Michelle Hey Michelle, how are you this morning? Felder, Hello. Michelle is, oh, the, yeah. is the phone greeter <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Hey, Michelle, how you doing? <laughs> let's, let's talk to Veronica in Memphis. Hey, Veronica, good morning. Morning, Felder. <laughs> hey, I've got a bed in my backyard that's um, got some mature azaleas in it, but the undergrowth is kind of a mess. It's got some ivy, but I have two dogs, and they love to get back there in the shade. And um, I was wondering, do you know something that's appropriate for dogs that's not too hard to grow in the shade for undergrowth? that I could nope. try to put in? <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Listen, when I hear dogs, immediately I'm thinking dust and mud and holes under the shrubs and dogs that need to be bathed. And, you know, that's just what dogs do. And if you had something comfy, they would still go find some dirt to dig in. That's the nature <laughs> of the beast. But, no, there's not, any, there's not any, any plants that really take the steady wear and tear of dogs or kids. Um, period. Uh, e- even Bermuda grass has to grow back real fast. That's the reason to grow it on athletic fields because it grows back fast, not because it likes to be tromped on by soccer feet and all. Uh, but in the shade, it's even worse because you have fewer choices of plants that are spread, that have, you know, that, that root is a grow. Things like ivy and monkey grass, they'll tolerate a lot of abuse and they'll spread back in if the dogs move to another place. But there's not anything that they're going to lay on that's going to do well. well. You know, what you might need to do is find them a nice place where they prefer, and every now and then just throw some, some some wood chips or some shavings out there to make it more comfortable, make them less muddy, make them smell better. That's about okay. it. Will the wood chips, will they um, retard the ivy growing? Because I guess I'll stick with the ivy since what you're saying. Well, you know, ivy and uh, uh, Asiatic jasmine, both of those are good ground covers for, for up in the Memphis area. Um, okay. And and, the, and both of them spread pretty well, but again, where the dogs make their wallows, and that's what they do, they make wallows. Uh, I'm just saying, throw a little bark out. But but to answer your question, yes, bark will help to keep the soil from compacting, and roots will grow better in it. Uh, same Thank thing with you, tree Taylor. leaves. You know. Uh, let me let me let me throw out one other thing. If there's some specific places you don't want them to lie. Um, you know, dogs will do almost anything. If you can find some broken up chunks of brick, 
you know, just, just oh, broken yeah. and put it around there. It hurts their elbows and they'll move over a little bit. You know, pine cones, they'll pick them up and play with them. But bricks hurt their elbows and their haunches, you know, broken up bits. And, uh, and that, that's about the only thing I know that'll really deter them. And uh, okay. one last thing, if you go to some garden, some garden center, they have this stuff called, uh, I don't know what, I don't know the name of it's, it's like a, it's like egg crate plastic things that lock together that you can put on the ground. They've got holes in them and grass and stuff can grow through it. You can, you can put it where people park their cars. You can sit out there and they can park on it, but grass grow through the holes. It's like corrugated the size of, uh, oh, two foot by three foot sections of plastic corrugated stuff that you can lay flat on the ground. Stuff will grow through it, but the dolls can't mash it down. Oh, that sounds interesting. Well, I didn't know yeah, about that. I can't thing. remember the- yeah, I can't remember the name of it, but it looks like those plastic grids, you know, about the size of a piece of side. You put them down there. There's mostly just holes with pl- – I can't describe it. And anyway. you don't see them much after the grass grows through, I guess? No, no. I mean, like I say, a lot of people use this where people park. They'll put it out there. Uh-huh. You know, it's, it's just like a plastic grid put on the ground. Uh, with oh, this, wow. This I lo- wish I'd known about that for a, a spread around a load of rocks, but um, I'll check that out. <laughs> Yeah, there, uh, the the one I remember, there, there's a commercial one that's made out of concrete called Grasscrete, but they have plastic ones now. They're they're real cheap and they work real well. Anyway, well, thank stay you, tuned. Felder, appreciate so, it. If you'll stay tuned while while I'm talking to the next people, I, I'll try to see what I can come up with the name of it. Good deal. Thank you. Okay, appreciate it, Veronica. <laughs> now, now let's go down to Hattiesburg. Hey, Rose, thank you for holding. How you doing? I'm good. Good. What's up? Um, I so we have um, a house that gets full sun on the front in in the morning and full sun in the back during the day. I mean in the evening. So I'm trying to find. We have a whole host of wasps that like to flurry around our front door, and I'm trying to find yeah. something that we can plant that might deter the wasp instead of attracting them. Well, there's there's not much because what happens, and, and I, I have this thing, and I'm a, I'm a, it's a little personal thing here, but I'm a grown man, I'm a veteran, I'm, you know, blah, 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 but if a wasp gets on me, I squeal like a little girl. They yeah. freak me out, and, I, and I'm okay with them because I know they won't sting me unless I mess with them, but they freak me out, and, the, and I live in a house that's made out of, has a lot of wood and nooks and crannies, and they'll actually make nests in the attic. That are sometimes yeah. bigger than I can put my arm around. So unless you can find the nest and get rid of it, there, you know, see where they're coming and going from, and uh, and see if you can just avoid that area. There's not, a, you know, th- they say that if you paint the ceiling blue, that that'll repel insects. It's not true, but if you use an oil-based paint, they can't make their nest. Spiders won't crawl on it, you know, and that kind of stuff. But the wasps are finding a little nook and cranny to have a place where they have a hidden nest. And that's what you got to find. Other than that, other than keeping a can of that that jet spray stuff that'll squirt stuff from 15 feet away, not much you can do. But they've okay. got a nest someplace. They they found a nice cool place, and and uh, I would just watch them see where they're coming and going, and see if you can tell where their nest might be, and see if you can't figure something out to do with that. That's about okay. it. All Sorry. Right. Okay, hey, if you find something works better, let me know. <laughs> Appreciate it, Rosie. Okay, uh, we got going to take another break in just a minute, but let's go to Sabrina and Summerall. Hey, Sabrina. 
Yes. Sabara. Hi. How are Sabara. you, Sheldon? Hey, I'm fine. Fine. What's up? Good. Um, I have about, mm, I guess, about a quarter acre. We have about a quarter acre of land, and we got infested with um, nutgrass. Oh, boy. What, yeah. What can you recommend that would help us get under control other than, you know, like always constantly hoeing and trying to get it out as quick as you can? But uh, it's yeah. really been a burden. Yeah. What is this growing in? What else do you have growing out there? Well, right now we've got some peppers growing and we've got some collards growing. Yeah. So that, an acre, that's a big garden. That's like a truck crop. That's a lot, a lot of chopping and tilling. Uh, yes. To answer your question, there's, you know, nut sedge is, 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 a, is a different kind of plant. It's not a grass. It's not a broadleaf. It's a sedge. Matter of fact, here's a stupid thing to know. But if you, you know how they make the little flower? If you notice that their stems have got three sides, they're three sides instead of round or square stems. Stupid thing to uh-huh. know. But anyway, there are some herbicides that will kill only sedges. You can spray it on top of grass, a monkey grass, irises, flowers, whatever. It only kills sedges. I've used it myself. It's safe. It degrades into, and, and it's a safe product. A little expensive. Uh, and the name of it is Sedge Hammer. Sedge so Hammer. How do you spell that? S E D G E, Sedge Hammer. Okay. Like. Bang. Okay. Uh, it, it is expensive. And, and there may be, you know, if you go to a place for a farmer's shop, you know, co-op type place, they may have uh-huh. a commercial brand that's cheaper than the, than the homeowner stuff. But it does work. It'll, it'll kill only the sedges if you spray them while they're actively growing. So that means after you till it up, get everything ready to plant, it comes up when it's young and really growing good. That's when the stuff works, not when it's hot and dry and old and tough. But okay. other than that, there's not much you can do except just till and, you know, just keep. Luckily, it doesn't, they don't really take away from your plants that much. If you, if you till really good and fertilize and water like normal, your plants can actually live with a good bit of sedge. They really can. The, the only thing is, is that they have such a competition for the nutrients. And when we do do the, um, you know, fertilize, that. Yeah, uh, it gets bigger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one other thing you might want to think about doing is take your garden in, in sections and, uh, of course, try not to spread it with your tiller tractor or stuff like that. But if you can take a section and leave it out of production and treat the sedge in that area while you're growing in other stuff. And then next time, you know, treat it. Di- in other words, just break your garden up into different areas and just okay. grow in some and treat sort of like moving, moving a blank space around and treating the sedge. Okay. That at least the first half of that first summer, treat that air. And as soon as you get rid of that, then plant it. You see what I'm saying? Just move it around. Okay. Okay. All right. And you say that um, this sedge, and that's S-E-D-G-E hammer? Yeah. Now, that's again, that's just one brand. There may be some others oh, out that's there. The that's just one that I happen okay. to use. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Got there's it. There's a... There's a couple of other things I can recommend. I don't want to re- want to really get into it on the on on the air because it it's, it can sound complicated. But if you'll shoot me an email, I'll give you a couple of other hints that I think will work. But in general, if you can't live with it, what I would do is I would treat it a section at a time. And as soon as you okay. get it under control, then then plant stuff and then just move that around like that. Okay. Okay. And I'll I'll send you an email. Okay. Do that. Appreciate it. Okay.
Thank you. Appreciate you. You bet. You bet, Sabara. Appreciate that a whole bunch. Appreciate all the calls. And I appreciate the folks who are tuned in by podcast. I get emails from places like Texas and California and Germany and places like that. I know a lot of folks listen. This program is aimed towards folks in my part of the country, the lower Gulf Coast and Mid-South. And that, because that's where I garden. And if you have some questions about stuff, I can answer them because I work all over the country. But I appreciate y'all tuning in. Hope you're not making fun of the way we talk. Uh, when we say all y'all, we don't just mean y'all. We mean all y'all are welcome to tune in. Shoot me an email anytime, garden at mpbonline.org. And uh, by the way, the name of that paving stuff is called Plastic Paving grids <laughs> plastic paving grids we'll be right back with more of the gestalt gardener right after this this is an mpb think radio podcast to hear previous shows visit mpbonline.org or download the mpb public radio app to listen on your iphone or android phone on demand Okay, dope folks, welcome back. Horticulture's Felder Rushing. We're talking about gardening. If you want to join us, it's real easy. Just give us a call or shoot us an email. The uh, toll free number is 1 877 MPB ring. Um, the uh, email is garden at mpbonline.org. Uh, meanwhile, it's a live program. You want to give us a call? We're going to slide down to Picayune. Hey, Curtis, good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. How are you doing, sir, today? So far, so good. What's up? Well, I got some plum trees in my yard, and they, they bloom real nice, but they don't make nothing. Yeah. Um, did you pl- Hurricane Katrina hit. Yeah, did you plant them yourself? Are, are they old trees? Uh, one of them is a new tree. The rest of them is old. Yeah. Uh, a couple, couple of things. I'm going to just make some educated guesses here because, you know, I just have to scratch my head. First of all, not all plum trees will grow in South Mississippi. Well, well they'll grow, but not all all plum trees will produce in South Mississippi. Some mm-hmm. do better in California or further north. Uh, so it might be just the varieties not doing it. Just like you plant cherry trees all over Picayune, and they'll never make a cherry because they want to be in Michigan. Um, but anyway, uh, other than that, there are uh, most plums, not all, but most also need a different variety nearby to cross pollinate. It takes two or more different kinds close to okay. each other to get different plums. So it might just be that y'all you got mostly the same tree out there. It could be the late freezes and stuff like that. But here's what I would recommend. Uh, first of all, this winter, go in and cut those plants back so they're not real tall and bushy where they have just a few arms and a few okay. fingers left, if you know what I mean. That'll I thin them out. And it, it, yeah, it, it, that'll help a lot. And then also, if you get a chance this next uh, uh, spring or next winter, put you another different kind out there close by and see if it won't help cross-pollinate all that. That helps a whole lot. But that's the number one problem is wrong variety of our area and uh, all one variety not getting cross-pollination. Okay, then. Well, I got one more. Uh, I got a pear tree right on the side of it. makes them real small pear, but they die before you can pick them. Oh. Uh, well, they the, all the, over the, the place, but then next week or so, they're like they're, they're going to die out. 
Mm, I, 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 you know, I'm pretty good at making educated guesses. There's too many possibilities there. Is this a wild pear? Uh, when I you really planted, when I bought the house, it was it was there. Yeah, reason why I'm asking because a lot of pear tree, a lot of fruit trees are grafted. You know, they got one kind of root and they put a good type of fruit on top of it. Sometimes the good part dies and the root part sprouts out, and it's a wild pear. They tend to have real small pears, and if yeah, they don't they, get, they, you they know, they are small. Yeah, that's what it is. What you, you what you've got is that is the rootstock sprouted out. It's not the kind that they put. Same thing with with grapefruit, and orange trees. You can plant them, but that top part is going to blow out, and you're just going to get that thorny rootstock sprout out. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you just you just got one of the the, the roots the roots the main, the original tree died down to the grafted part, and the roots sprout out just a while, and not going to ever do much except be pretty. Well, that's it's a good shade tree. That's about all it is. Well, you know, sometimes that's best, my friend. That's the best we can hope for is people to keep us around just because we're pretty. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Good well, luck on it, Curtis. Okay, yeah. sir. Well, I thank you for the information. Okay. Good luck. Appreciate your call. Okay, and then I slide up to the Delta to Greenville. Hey, Gloria, that's my old stomping grounds. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. The water good. didn't come over the levee. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, my great-grandmother wrote in 1927 when it went all the way to Greenwood. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Most so what's up today? people were on the other side. <laughs> yeah. what, what can I help you with? Okay. I have, well, I'm not going to say I've done it, but I know two or three people that have done this. For your wall situation, you take yeah. a brown paper bag, you stuff mm-hmm. it. Then you twist it a little bit, and then you hang it up, and the walls think that it's hornet's nest, and they believe. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that, okay, okay. Let me get this. Swear you, to it. Okay. You stuff it with, like, newspaper and stuff like that? Uh-huh. Well, you, yeah, you or stuff you, it with other paper bags or, you know, because it's more pliable, and, what they say. And you, cr- and you crinkle it up a little bit, hang it up there. Yeah. I, I, like you could probably also... Hornet. You could also probably spray, you know, put a little round, a little dark spot on there, like a hole mm-hmm. at the bottom of it. That's interesting. They, hey, I it have a lady. I do her hair, and she swears that it works, and that's what she well, says. Now, when it rains, you got some issues. You might have to redo it. She said, but paper bags are cheap. <laughs> paper bags are cheap, and you know what? And you hear a lot of stuff at the shop too, don't you? Uh-huh. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Hey, it, it 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 doesn't hurt to try this, right? Right. That's what I'm saying. It's cheap, and she swears by it, and I have two other clients who are backing her up, so I'm like, okay, I believe y'all. Okay, well, I hope that lady's going to listen a little bit. But I don't know what the problem is. What is the problem between hornets and wasps? They just don't like each other, or are they predators? Well, you know, know, hornets are big-time meat eaters. You know, wasps are meat eaters, too, but hornets are just real aggressive. They're just, you know, they're they're bad. You know, they're just bad, bad boogers. Okay, well, so, pass that on to they're, your they're, person that's having trouble. It, it's like me. I think I'm really, really bad till I get in the ocean and see a shark fin, and all of a sudden oh, I'm out of the water. Good luck, I'm Lord. not going. Hey, <laughs> I, I appreciate you, God. Go, go have a go have a half a dozen doze tamales on me. That's all we can afford. I'm telling you, I'm right next door to them. That's a miracle. See? I weigh 500 pounds. <laughs> Bye. See ya. <laughs> Okay, let's slide straight on up Highway 1, up towards Memphis, and stop off in Tunica. Hey, Wayne, good morning. How are you? I'm good, Felder. How are you? So far, so good. Not so bad. I hear you. Well, I got the solution to your wasp problem. 
the uh, paper bag deal. I think a lot of that is just folklore. But anyway, I, I had a terrible I, I, problem. Go ahead. I said, I said, I ain't want, I ain't arguing with the cosmetologist. Right, right, right. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I had a terrible problem with wasps all around the eaves of my house. The way that they built the roof and everything had a gap all the way around where the gutters were. Well, I kept right. having wasps, and then I went up in the attic and uh, got them little pincher picker up things, you know, that the old, old folks use. And I got them all out, put them in a can, burned them, and I had the same issue again. Well, I went to the Hernando Co-op, and I told yeah. him I needed something for the wasp. Well, he handed me a bottle, and it said it was for a home. And I said, well, do you have anything that's, like, commercial? And he said, yes. Well, you mix this stuff up, and he told me how to use it, and it's got directions. And it didn't take much at all. And you get a gallon sprayer, and you do it either early, early in the morning before it starts getting warm or Late at night, when the when when the sun's going down, because they're inactive at that time. Right, right. And you spray where you see them wasps going in, and he says even if this dries up, when they land on it, they'll take it back to the nest, and it will kill the everything there. And yeah, by George, it works. And then I had a, a lady at work was telling me she had the same thing. I got my bottle, took a picture of it. I don't know what the name is. I'm sorry. But, yeah, and I gave it to her, and she went to uh, somewhere in Hernando, little uh, hardware store, and they had it there, yeah. the same exact thing, and all. She put it on hers, yeah. and it works, and it leaves no residue. So if you want to, you know, like you said, you live in, a, in an older home, and I know about where you your place is uh, over in Oxford, uh, a lot of older homes there. You can spray right. it all over the house wherever you might see them, and it yeah. works. And, I mean, there's no questionable doubt. I did it last yeah. year, and I still don't have any wasps this year, so it works. Well, here, here's here, here's the deal on that. Of course, without knowing, you know, what the ingredient is, I I really can't recommend it yet. But there are a lot of of what the of of insecticides that are what they call persistent. They last a long time. Most of the stuff you get over the counter doesn't. It it it, it works for a, a few hours, and then it slowly you know fades away. But there are some that's persistent. Most of those. I've been taken off the market there for commercial use, uh, so I'd be glad to find out. You know what the if you come across the name of it, uh, you know write down what the active ingredient is and shoot me an email about it. And we'll take it from there. But I do appreciate. Yeah. It. But but these long-lasting things, it's hard to find them commercially more because most of them have been taken off the market except for commercial use. So yeah, anyway, yeah. see if you see see if you can find out what the name of it is. All righty. Okay, let's slide down to Hattiesburg. Hey, Amy, good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. What's going on? Uh, well, I bought a native azalea this spring and a couple other bushes that also kind of are in the same boat. But then since then, and they're still sitting under my oak tree right now being watered because I haven't gotten them in the ground yet. But since then, I've been reading about all of this stuff up in Ohio and places like that, and they're saying 17 states worth where they've had that sudden oak death that they found yeah. in Bellius. And now I'm sort of yeah. scared to forget the thing. I did not buy it from Walmart. I bought it from a nursery. And then yeah. my, my Kelly and stuff I bought from Southern's plant sale. But I'm, I'm concerned. Have they found that in Mississippi? Where? Well, well, 
Well, well, well, first of all, what's causing it is actually a fairly common fungus. Uh, and usually it doesn't cause problems unless the plant is under a lot of stress or something, you know, too wet or too dry. And, and sometimes it can be spread by mulch, by, by bark mulch. Uh, California won't, I mean, has a lot of it out there. And a lot of states won't allow mulch to be hauled in from California because it's got this natural fungus. I wouldn't worry about it because it's not something that's going to be serious unless you're keeping your plants stressed all the time. Too much water, too much fertilizer, never any water, never any fertilizer. If you'll keep your plants lean and mean, they'll do just fine. I wouldn't worry about, you know, stuff like that. There's all sorts of issues, like cold germs are everywhere, but we don't all have colds. Same thing with this kind of thing. So I wouldn't worry so much about it. Just keep your plants healthy without overdoing anything and then just keep on going. Don't, I wouldn't worry about it is what I'm saying. I know what you're talking about, and it's not a concern except where people have irrigation systems or never do nothing to their plants. Well, right now, they're kind of probably stressed because, like I said, they're still in pot. I didn't get them planted this spring, and that means well, they, it'll be yeah, they. Well, go ahead and start digging the holes where they're going to go. This could be real important. Make them nice and wide and add a little bit of stuff to your native dirt. Don't overdo it. But work the dirt up really good ahead of time, cover it with bark, and wait till and that way the soil will be settling down and mellowing. And this fall, when you plant them, loosen up their potting soil and roots. Don't just pull out of the pot, stick it in the ground, and they should, shouldn't be a problem at all. Okay. Thank you, sir. All righty. Uh, Chris, I wish we had uh, did have to, to move on from that. I wish I had more time to talk to Chris in Tupelo. Out of time, they'll give us a call toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. We need two hours here, but we got to make room for the next folks. There's all sorts of things going on at MPB every week, Monday through Friday, all sorts of stuff. Keep tuning right in. Meanwhile, the Gestalt Garden has been a production here of Mississippi uh, Public Broadcasting. Me and Java Chapman and Michelle McAdoo appreciate you calling in. Be glad to answer emails sent to Garden at mpbonline.org Meanwhile, stay cool, stay hydrated, wear a hat. Uh, if you got to go out and about, take it easy, stay hydrated. And if you can find a kid or a neighbor, take them to a garden center. Better yet, take them to a farmer's market. Kids and neighbors need to go to the farmer's market and learn where cool stuff comes from. Show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. Hey, y'all, we'll see you same time, same place right here at MPB next week.